Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Before I get into the political talk, because I did promise you an election podcast. It's a big fight weekend. A lot of big fights uh, this weekend on Halloween. I'm going to talk about Halloween the movies too. And just maybe that genre in general. Sometimes I just come up with stuff. Like I had some topics that that I wanted to talk about. But I think I'm just going to do a whole segment um, on the Halloween movies and, and the scary movie genre from the, er, the, the early 80s, uh, early 90s, because that was the best genre uh, for those uh, movies. Uh, but Big Fight Weekend, uh, the monster, anyway, is fighting. Be sure to check uh, that out. I believe that's going to be on uh, ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the former undisputed cruiserweight champion, Usyk, uh, for the second uh, fight at heavyweight uh, against Derek Chisora, you might want to check that out as well. I think that'll be in the afternoon on the zone. Uh, but the headliner is the uh, pay-per-view fight between uh, Javante Tank Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to Tank uh, just you know, like he's just a couple of days uh, before the fight. See where it's heads at. How's it going with the weight? Um, how's training camp been uh, with Mayweather? So pretty enlightening stuff he, he was a little takes a little reserved uh very soft-spoken quiet-spoken but you know once we kind of got into the conversation i thought he really opened up uh, about a lot of things so i uh, check it out so the first question uh, that i had for you take is um how does it feel to be kind of the first uh boxer uh to be coming back to really have a, a good amount of fans uh coming to their uh, event we've seen a couple of bouts with you know a few fans here and there but you're you're really going to be the first one that has a real live audience for probably like the last eight or nine months Uh, how does it feel to kind of be doing that and and being the first one out uh to have fans at your event um i think it's definitely going to be you know i'm definitely appreciative uh you know to be in a position i am to be able to fight with fans and things like that you know so um, I'm just ready. I want to put on a great performance because I know I, I'm the first person that come back with fans. So I want to start it off right and give the people what they want to see. And that's an action-packed fight. Yeah, you mentioned um, when they did the uh, media uh, call that y- you were excited about this fight because Leo Santa Cruz was one of the few uh, boxers that actually called you out and, and actively tried to make uh, you know a fight with you. Uh, just, you know, what are your thoughts on, on Leah Santa Cruz as a, as a fighter, uh, some of the challenges that he presents um, in the ring, and, you know, how does it feel for someone to, you know, say, hey, to actually call you out and then go ahead and, and make the fight actually happen? Um, just him calling me out was like, uh, just, you know, I won't say regular because we in boxing and that's what boxers do. But as far as his fighting style, he definitely bring 
No, um, we we all know Leo is a who will be fighting in an action packed fight. So I think there's definitely one for the fans, and the fans win this for um, between me and Leo because um, the performance, you know, the style that I bring and the style that Leo bring, you know, we know it's gonna be a crazy fight, you know. So I think that you know. Um, He's definitely a tough opponent. You know, we can't take him lightly. That's why we moved our camp to Vegas and also started, you know, 14 weeks out and things like that. So um, we'll definitely be ready for him, and hopefully he'll be ready. You know, speaking of his uh, style, do you feel like as someone normally when you're in the ring with someone, you're you're stalking them, you're trying to get them to um, engage, and at times, you know, that can make – you know, if, if someone's not, you know, running from you or not engaging with you, it could make the fights uh, not necessarily boring, but, you know, you have to work harder uh, to, like you said, put on that spectacular performance. Do you think the fact that, you know, uh, just by his fighting style, he's going to be right there for you? Do they think that actually helps you get you more involved into it and know it's going to be really a, an exciting fight because of his fighting style? Yeah, you know, just um, knowing that he's going he gonna to come to fight and, you know, come forward and things like that. I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing show. You know, I think it's going to be one of them, them, you know, you know, when I fought Pedraza and things like that, it was like the star was born. I think this, you know, just like, it's going to be like a part two. You know, so his style is definitely going to be, you know, one of them styles that bring the best out of Javante Davis. I definitely believe that. Now, you said you did just talk about moving your camp and everything, you know, to Vegas. Uh, with the coronavirus, you know, you, you, there's not a lot to do. You know, it's very safe. You need to stay indoors and, and things of that nature. Uh, has that been kind of a, a benefit uh, for you? Because really the only thing that you can do on the safe side is to train and, and work out and kind of stay at home. And, and there's not a lot of distractions and everything. You think that's kind of been beneficial for you these, like you said, those 14 weeks? Um. I want to say it, it really doesn't matter to me, you know, um, if, you know, if there's a lot of people here or not, I'm, I'm always focused on my tasks that, you know, what I have in front of me. I know I'm not coming in to fight knowing that I'm fighting a bum. I know that this guy is a, a definitely a tough opponent. You know, he definitely had more, more and more titles than me. He only had one loss, you know, um, once before he was on the pound for pound list, top 10. So I know I'm not going in there with no uh, fighting a slouch. So I know for sure I'd be focused if it was a crowd outside or if it wasn't, you know. So um, my main focus is, you know, fighting Leo and putting on a great performance. You know, boxing, yeah, boxing, you know, is like, and you know this, it's, it's part performance, part uh, entertainment. Uh, you obviously have a, a lot of fans. You have a lot of crossover uh, fans, which is something that boxing needs. You know, people that are not necessarily hardcore boxing fans, but entertainers and, and rappers and athletes, you know, they're kind of all on your side. You know, how is how is that, you know, and, you know, you like you said, boxing is a, is a sport, like you say, that you have to have your focus on, you know, 24-7, uh, but you also have this fame um, as well. Uh, to you outside of boxing how do you balance you know being looked at as someone that hey this this guy could be the next not just boxing star but crossover star in the world of sports 
Uh, I'm just, I'm thankful for it all, you know. Um, I'm just, you know, you know, I I want to say just soaking it all in, you know, and, and I want to go out there each and every day to, you know, be able to put on that, that performance to bring people that's not even in the sport or like boxing, you know, to, to pay attention to me. Now I want to be a, 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 like a, a, a overall star than just be a boxing star. Now I want to be able to, you know, you know, go to different countries and people will notice me and things like that. Something like a, a, a Michael Jackson type of star, you know, just not from boxing. You know, I just want to be overall star. That's why I want to put I want to put on a, a great performance like once they beat the hell out of my opponents, you know, so so that I can get people that not even watching to be the you know, to pay attention. Yeah. That's what that's yeah. my goal. And, and you know, I just wanted to ask you this is is when people have that such you know they want you to succeed. You know, they want you to have the high expectations for you. They want you to win. You know, so when they come to you and they say, hey, Tank, um, you know, we want the best for you, you know, and then there's things that happen outside of, of the ring that doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, at times put you in the best light. You know, how do you take that, that, that constructive, you know, criticism? Do you take it like, hey, these people are wanting me to, to be my best, don't want me to get in trouble, don't want me to have a bad reputation and things of that nature? Uh, you know, how, how do you take that? Because, like I said, a lot of people want to see you win, but don't want to see you in those bad situations that have derailed other boxers' careers. I mean, I'm, I'm human at the end of the day. I, I make mistakes, you know. And, you know, for the most part, we, we, we fix them and we don't make that, state, that mistake uh, over and over again, you know. So, as um, far as the Cubs, I, I feel as though they're going to be there. That's what comes with it. You know, so it's my job to, you know, not to make the mistakes that I made in the past, make them again in the future. You know, so that's what's my main goal. My main goal is, you know, to stay focused on boxing, you know, training and things like that, and stay out of the trouble, stay out of trouble, and work my way up to be a pay-per-view star. And the last question I got for you, and kind of on those same lines, you talk about. Being a pay-per-view star, obviously, of uh, you working with uh, Floyd Mayweather uh, a lot more uh, in this particular camp um, because maybe he's retired and he has more time and you're in Vegas uh, now. You know, how has that been and do you feel – and actually, let me ask you this. Do you feel like uh, you've learned more uh, or this has been a different type of camp with him in it? And also, uh, will he be in the corner uh, for you when you go up against Leo Santa Cruz? Um. As far as Floyd working with me, Floyd always, you know, I, I want to say he, he's 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 been always hands on with me since I signed with him. So I don't want to say just because I'm fighting on pay per view that you know he around and things like that. Floyd always been in my corner for boxing, you know, um, working with me hands on and you know telling me what to do and what he think I should do and you know. Um, giving me pointers now that I'm fighting on pay-per-view, giving me pointers, you know, on um, suggestions in the ring and outside the ring and things like that. And um, we just got to wait and see, you know, uh, about see if um, Floyd will be in my corner because that's actually up to him. He, 
I'm open arms. My coaches are open arms. You know, if he want to come up, come, you know, in the, um, the, the corner, you know, I think, I don't think, I think me, um, Floyd and my coach talked about it, but I'm not really for sure. But if, even if he, he, he is, even if he decided that night that he want to get in the corner, you know, he definitely can. Things like that, I'm willing. I'm definitely be grateful to have him in the corner and things like that. You can see at my last fight against Gamboa, he was down there in the ring, you know, so um, it's all open arms on this side. I appreciate uh, Tank coming on, being open and honest. Uh, about things it's important to me as someone that's covered boxing for for damn near 15 years now uh, especially with the young black boxers like just to let them know you, you don't have to have that negative uh, stigma around you uh, to be successful to be popular to make a lot of money you know I know a lot of people see what happened with Floyd Mayweather see what happened with Adrian Broner see in the past where it appeared that, you know, to be a popular black boxer, uh, you had to act a fool. Uh, you had to be, had criminal type of stuff going on. You had to be act crazy, out of control. Uh, and then that helped with your popularity. But to me, you don't want to go down that path. It's not a good path for you. You know, be a good person. Um, you know, do the right things. You know, be on the up and up. Be a good fighter, and the people will come. They will come. You know, I think Tank has all the qualities of being a, a superstar uh, in boxing. He just has to clean up some of the out-of-the-ring stuff. You just focus on the fighting. Focus on being himself. Focus on the positive stuff that he's doing. And he's doing a lot of positive stuff, too, as well. And he'll be all right. Don't get caught up in, you know, that keeping up with the Joneses. I have to be the next Mayweather. I have to be act a fool like Adrian Broner. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in that. Handle your business. Knock people out. Be a good person. And, you know, everything will work out the way you want it to work out. And you'll be a, a better person uh, mentally. Your mental health uh, will be better uh, that way. So, I, as far as prediction, what's your prediction? <laughs> Pain, man. Rocky three best, uh, best Rocky by far. Uh, Mr. T should have got an Oscar, and he should have got a rematch. He should have been in Rocky uh, four. Maybe they get him in Creed. What's my prediction? Pain. Hey woman. Hey woman. Wanna be the real man? Couldn't probably get away with some of that stuff uh, in 2020. Probably couldn't do it. Uh, but as far as a prediction, I mean, it's one like I always tell people with predictions, we're just guessing. We're not experts. I think if you're smart enough and you, you watch and, and you, you know what you're talking about, you can see you can always see both ways. Like I don't like I never I didn't think Tiafimo Lopez and beating Lomachenko was that big of an upset because if you watch boxing, you could have seen the, the exact way it went. You can you can see it that it was a possibility. So you know with with this fight, you know it seems like it's a two way type of fight that it can go two ways. Uh, maybe three. Three or four, maybe. You know, maybe uh, Tank is just too big, too powerful for him, and, you know, it knocks him out because he, he has the power advantage. Uh, you can also see a situation where Tank is too inactive. Leo can take uh, his power, and then, you know, he just outworks him for a decision. Uh, you can also see a situation where Leo, 
uh, has the capabilities uh, to box um, and just not go in head down. And you could he could actually maybe outbox uh, Tank with activity and, and stay away from those big shots. And there's a situation where Tank, who I believe has boxing skills as well, uh, could keep his hands busy, put the pressure on Leo, make him uncomfortable, um, and, you know, win a decision himself. Uh, you know, that's just, you know, knowing the two fighters. You know, I, I think you can go, you have to wait until they fight to see. You know, I think, for me, I would go with Leo if he could take his power. I'm not sure if he can, Leo Santa Cruz. He's been buzzed a few times, but he's never been knocked out. Um you know, in his career, so, you know, he has a good chin, just, you have to have a good chin the way that he fights, uh, if he can take his power, I think I, I like Leo, but, you know, Tank is, is a special type of fighter, um, when it comes to that type of power, so that, that's what we have to see, um, well, like I said, three, three good cards, um, along with your college football and everything else that'll be going on, um, this weekend, so be sure to check it out. Okay. Now we're going to get into the election. It won't be a long segment because it's not my job to try to convince you who you should vote for, who you support, what do you think about politics. There, there used to be a, a, a saying that, I don't know if it's a saying, but like a general rule is that the things that you don't want to debate like with friends or loved ones uh, was like religion and politics. Like that's the two things that you stay away from because if you say the wrong thing, it can damage friendships, damage relationships, whatever it may be. Uh, I think maybe the religion part is still kind of out there, but obviously the politics part uh, has had a lot of crossover in the last four years. As I've said before, I mean, I think everybody can agree with this. It's just imagine the amount of politics that you even thought about, you put on your social media that you had opinions about, that the information that you had from 2008 to 2016, which would be the Obama years, right? Probably wasn't a lot. You know, maybe you made a joke about Obama's tan suit. He was there when he said, you know, they, they killed bin Laden. Uh, you you realize there was some racism, a lot of racism going on with Fox News. But in general, if you ask the person, you know, what 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 were you really doing during the Obama years? You know, were you really thinking about politics and politicians and the Supreme Court and all of that stuff? And I tell you, most people, you know, in passing, you know, maybe. But but not. It wasn't something that was on your your daily radar. And honestly, that's how I would say the American people and the United States of America has been for a very long time. If something pops up, we care about it. But in general, we wasn't thinking about the president, the vice president, the I couldn't even tell you. I have no idea who who President Obama's press secretary was. I know Trump has had like five, but I, I don't, I don't know who Obama's press secretary was. I can tell you a lot of, th- you just, it just wasn't on your daily radar. And then you got Trump. And the thing about Trump, which is interesting is Trump is not any worse 
really, to be honest, being honest with you, than most racist politicians in America. Or I should not even if they're not racist, most politicians that really only care about themselves, most selfish politicians. The only difference is he says it aloud. If you really if you if you dig deep into say Mike Pence's career as a politician, terrific. If Mike Pence was the president, it still would be terrible. The only thing is that he's a career politician, so he knows how to talk. He knows how to make things seem not as bad to make you think that he actually cares. What he does it. Basically, Trump put the what's on the inside so you can see it on the outside. It's one thing to say, oh, my, my knee uh, or my, my ankle hurts. It's another thing to see a broken bone sticking out of the skin. Trump is the broken bone sticking out the skin. Like, it's interesting because, look, you could break your leg internally and it looks bad on TV and you could be out for six months, right? But if you break your leg and the bone comes out on TV, they don't show that highlight over and over again. They don't try to ID where you got hurt. When you tell your ACL... They show the highlight over and over and over again. You, or you, you, you blow your Achilles, they show the highlight over and over again. But if somebody breaks their leg and, and the bone pops out from the skin, you don't, you don't see that. The, the thing is, though, the recoveries are about the same. In some cases, actually breaking a bone, you recover faster than a ligament. Politicians in general are the ligaments. There, but it's internal. You don't see it. You you just know it's bad. You can't see a torn ACL, but you know it's bad. Can't see a blown Achilles, but you know it's bad. Trump is the broken leg, the broken arm, your shoulder popping out of place. See your face, and that's the difference. So now everybody's you know up to date because. They see the broken skin. They see the broken bone outside the skin. And they're like, wait a minute. That's bad. That's that's really, really bad. <laughs> and here we are four years later. I knew it was going to be bad when, when Trump took office. It's actually been worse. That's saying a lot because I knew it was going to be bad. Because he didn't want to win. I honestly don't believe it. I think he wanted to run, get a lot of popularity, use the popularity to make money for his hotels and maybe do a TV show and all of that stuff. Because, you know, being a president is is work, even though he doesn't like to work and he still goes golfing all the time. But it's you have to work. You have to live in a house you don't really want. He didn't really want to live in. This man went from a gold house to the White House. The White House is old. It has rats and stuff. This man had a gold chandelier in Times Square. Or whatever the business district, you know what I'm saying. His wife don't want to be there. His kid don't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. But the power is like a drug, so it's kind of a catch twenty two. He doesn't like to do the job, but who doesn't like to be the president of the United States and then have all these people just basically do whatever you want them to do, even if they don't like you or not. So here we are, four years later, the, the damn country's falling apart. So 
So what are we going to do? So to me, it's, it's, it's two sides of it, and I, I can't stress this enough. If you vote for Trump, you're racist. And when I say that, I don't mean like you're racist like you don't say hi to your black neighbor or you inherently, you know, be calling people the N-words all the time. I'm saying within your mind structure, I don't know if it's in your subconscious or whatever it is, you have a superiority complex to where you want to keep white supremacy in check. And what that means is, is don't get me wrong, there are some people that are just hardcore racist, like that are just Trump supporters and hard. You see those. I'm not really talking about those people. You see them all the time. You know the hardcore racist that vote for Trump. I'm talking about your neighbor, your teacher, the guy that, 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 that sold you your car, the guy that you see every day, you get your gas, the bank guy at the bank, the girl at the bank or whatever. These are the people I'm talking about. The ones outwardly you wouldn't know that they're Trump supporters, but they probably are. Like, once again, my neighbor right across the street seems as nice as could be. Always says hello, is very friendly, pets my dog. You wouldn't think anything. Inside his garage, though, he has a, a, you know, a Blue Lives Matter flag. So what am I supposed to think? So to me, that's those type of people. It's in, in, like I said, not outwardly racism. It's like they're okay <laughs> with some people being all right. You know, they're okay with you know the nice black neighbor that looks like he can afford the house and stuff, or maybe the guy he plays softball with and been working with for ten years. But the overall picture, they they're not overly concerned about equality and racism. And police brutality. They're more likely to believe that, you know, these things wouldn't happen if, you know, black people didn't resist. They're more likely to believe it's not true that if you're going to get a bank loan and you're black, you know, you're you're likely to get a higher interest rate than a white person. You know, they don't want to believe that, you know, if, if you you're selling a house, it's it's a hundred thousand dollars less if you're black than if you white. You know, like they don't want to believe that stuff. They would prefer to believe, you know, the idealistic worldview of America. Land of the free, home of the brave. Which neither are true. They don't want to believe that. You know, they want to believe what they've been taught and told for their entire lives. So that was an episode of, uh, you watch This Is Us? Good show on NBC. Very depressing. So you're not watching, you know, for happy moments. But it's very well acted. So it's a very good show. I think a lot of people watch it. Maybe the highest rated show. It's a drama. And like I said, it's not, not a happy show, but it's very well acted. One of the scenes uh, of the season, the season one, uh, or whatever, not season one, but the, the season premiere was, and, and if you haven't watched the show, just, I guess the quickest way I can explain it is there's three kids, two were twins, and then the family adopted uh, a black kid that was left, right? And you go through their childhood, their teenagers, their colleges, and now them as adults, and then you also see some future stuff. So, yeah. So the black uh, 
brother of the three is always kind of going through some stuff. But anyway, they're, they're using real life events to kind of talk about what's going on to, to do the show, which I think is a smart move on their part. So they're using like the coronavirus and George Floyd and stuff like that. Uh, and and the, the sister, the white sister, was saying, you know, she's been texting the, the, the black brother and, and asking him how he's doing and saying that they went to Black Lives Matter marches and all of this stuff. And she's sorry and she wants to know, you know, what she could do. And the brother was like, black brother, was like, what specifically are you sorry about? She didn't really have an answer. And he pointed out that they, they had turned 40 years old. So they're 40 years old. So they're, they're not kids, you know, anymore. And he's like, listen, you know, I've been black for 40 years, you know, and I've been old enough to see what's going on in our world for, you know, about 30, you know, 25, 30 of those years. And it's not the first time a black person has gotten shot or killed by the cops. It's not the first time racism has happened, et cetera, et cetera. You haven't said anything to me in these 40 years. Why are you doing it today? And I think it was kind of a revelation for her. Because sometimes when you're white, you see these things happening, but it doesn't affect you. It's human nature, honestly. It's human nature. Stuff that doesn't affect you a lot of times you don't care about. And it's not ne- it's not necessarily wrong because you can't, you know, if you just worried about everything that was going on, you know, you wouldn't have time to live your life, right? But that's really what it is with some of these white people. It's, it never affects them. And so they don't, they don't care. They don't have no passion, you know, for it. And so they vote for Trump, you know, because of the taxes or they believe it's lies or whatever it may be, or they've been Republican all their life. But I'm here to tell these people today, you know, in a normal election, probably could let that slide, you know, because the person is not, the, the, the Republican is not so outwardly putting the fact that I'm running on a platform of racism and white supremacy. Like, you know, most people run on platforms like the economy, <laughs> health care, you know, even, you know, the crim- drugs, criminal justice system, you know, things that maybe you could have a civil discourse about. Can't really discuss that your candidate is running on a propaganda of hate, racism, white supremacy. If you have, you can't like Jack Nicholson was like, yeah, I know he's racist and tweets and all of this stuff, but I'm Republican and I believe in law and order and all that. Now, you can't, in this particular case, you can't separate. You can't. You can't say, I know that Trump's a racist, I know he's this, I know he's that, but, you know, I make $400,000 a year, so I got to think about these taxes. If you, if you, it's, you know, it's like being friends with a murderer. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not killing you, but you, you do know he killed other people. You know, I'm not saying you got to, you know, run and turn them in. You should, maybe, I don't know. But if you, if you hanging out with them, you know, like it's, it's, it's like if your best friend, you know, beat his wife, like repeatedly in front of you. And you just, he's like, well, yeah, but we've been best friends since, you know, middle school. Like it's, you get, you know, you got to make a decision about your own 
where your own line in the sand is, your own, you know, morality. And that's what I'm really talking about now is that it's very difficult if you vote for Trump for me to believe that you would have my best interest at heart if something went down. That you really believe in equality, you really believe in it. Like, I, it just, it doesn't correlate. You know, it just doesn't correlate. Now, I say all that to also explain to you, and, and this is probably a good thing that Trump has done unintentionally, I might say. He did it unintentionally. I think the best thing that he did was get people to understand how politics work. President is not so much a figurehead, but for things to actually happen, you know, there are several levels of government starting with Congress and the Senate, and then you can just start going down. Uh, obviously, Supreme Court, the federal courts, uh, the state courts, uh, city councils, mayors, governors, uh, police chiefs, DAs, judges. It's all of this stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a smorgasbord of things politically that you have to clean out if you want things to happen properly. Now, don't get me wrong. I think all politicians are a little dirty. But when you have certain politicians that their whole goal is to keep white supremacy in power, you have to really pay attention. For the first time, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I've always voted, uh, especially in general elections. Never been one not to vote. But I will say, for the first time, because of Trump, I've really, really paid attention to everything that's happening from a local standpoint and from a state uh, standpoint when I vote. I'm not just casually looking at it. Like before I would go in and say, oh, this is prop such and such. I remember a couple of the commercials and I think I'm going to go with this. This is the first time I actually read, you know, read up on what I was voting on. Who I was voting voting on locally? Who wants? Who's the mayor of the city that I'm that my my child is going to go to school in at some point? And I think a lot of other people have done that as well. Our country is at a crossroads. Um, we shouldn't be however many years of a country we're in. You know what? What are we? What are we? Said, what are we, two, two hundred, what, two hundred fifty years in? We shouldn't be in that deep and still be as bad as we are. Like, the only thing that's changed as much is like technology. <laughs> Technology's changed a lot. People, not as much. You know, you shouldn't have somebody that's going to be on the Supreme Court saying, I believe everything in the Constitution should be held letter of the law. That's some real whack stuff in the Constitution. <laughs> like, that stuff really shouldn't be applied in 2020. You know, you gotta... Stuff like that, that's say you gotta... Listen, it, that was written in, what, 1776? It's a long time ago. That Constitution wasn't written like, hey, my black neighbor's cool. <laughs> I like him. I mean, he should be treated equally. Hell, it wasn't treated for your, your, your white woman. You know what I mean? 
That's that's no, it shouldn't be to the letter of the law. Probably should wipe the whole thing out and come up with some new rules. But we're at a crossroads. We have a choice. We can go down the Armageddon Road, which is another four years of Trump. Or we can start to try to dig ourselves out the hole. And and no mistaken, even if Trump loses, the hole that he dug for us is still very, very bad. You know, I don't know why the coronavirus hit. I was thinking about this the other day. But I will say that I think, in my mind at least, if it didn't hit, I think Trump would have won. Maybe the landslide. Because there's just so many people that want to keep white supremacy intact. And there's a whole lot of people, I think, before that just was beaten down to the fact that they just felt like they couldn't win. It took something catastrophic to realize, like, hey, we can't just have idiots running the country or we will die. And, and here's the thing. They talk about the coronavirus deaths and 99% survival rate and all of that stuff. That's because they're short-sighted. Just think about what's, what's happened to so many people. Jobs, mental health, drugs economy just all of this stuff because we just didn't have someone that just was competent didn't have to be great just competent George W. Bush could have handled this better go out and vote go read your pamphlets make sure you know what you're voting for locally get rid of some of these racist DAs state senators house of representatives people your city council people Get them out and try to get people in that at least halfway care about actual people and not themselves. What in the blue hell? So the Dodgers won the World Series. Beautiful thing. I deserve it. I don't believe in any asterisk. A ring is a ring. A championship is a championship. Doesn't matter if you win it in the bubble. Doesn't matter if it's a strike season. Doesn't matter if it's a lockout season. Doesn't matter if it's a shortened season, elongated playoffs, shortened playoffs. If you win, you win. Cheating is probably the only thing that makes me say, hmm, like the Astros. But even then, it's like, yeah, everybody cheats, to be honest with you. (laughs) Everybody cheats. It's just who gets caught. Uh, But rings a ring. They won a championship. Uh, Good for them. Uh, that's That's a good thing for them. Been waiting since 88. Since the Oral Hershiser uh, days had been a multiple uh, World Series and took L's. Uh, I think they've won the division like eight years in a row. So they're basically like the Atlanta Braves of the 90s. You know, win your division every year, go to the World Series, lose. But, you know, as long as you win one, that's all that matters. I think the more interesting story, though, is Mr. Justin Turner. Mr. Uh, Rona Turner. Now, only reason I think about this is because it just tells you in general when it comes to stuff like the coronavirus, if you're rich and famous, it, stuff doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like, it's just, it, the whole thing is odd. Like, who gets a result of a test in the middle of the night in the seventh inning? Like, in theory, if there's any type of uh, situation where you believe that someone could have the coronavirus, you're supposed to just sit them. 
So at, at the point that they were like, you know something, he could have it. We're not sure, but it's possible. They should have sat him. My thing is, once he's been in there for seven innings, breathing on everybody and sliding in the bases and hitting and being around every, you know, all the teammates and the Rays players, and by that point, what's the point? You might as well just leave him in. You might as well leave him in by then. It's too late now. It's too late. Like, that's kind of weird to me. Once it's done, it's done. If you either you get them at the beginning of the game or you don't get them at all. I don't think three more innings was going to affect how much contact he had been with everybody else. He just said, screw it. After they won, you know, they told him to stay inside. He's like, I'm going to go take my picture. I'm going to kiss my lady with my Rona lips. Yeah. I, the only thing that it, it's, it makes me not mad or anything, but I, I think about uh, the Raptors president when they, they won the championship and he tried to get out uh, on the court and they the, the racist cop basically tackled him. And, you know, he's president. And, you know, MLB was like, he <laughs> just in terms forced his way. He didn't, you know, he didn't force his way on the field. He just walked. They said, Mr. Turner, uh, can you please go back? He said, no. And, you know, that was it. When you're white, you can do that. White people say that all the time to cops. No. And the cops are okay. And just turns like, I, I just won the championship. I'm white. Mm, I'm going to go out there and infect the trophy. If anybody else handed the trophy, you probably get sick too. I don't that that part. I don't understand why. It shouldn't even matter if you're a racist. <laughs> you should. The, the common belief is that even if you're racist, I would imagine you wouldn't want to get your own other racist people sick, right? That's what people don't seem to understand is that it's not you. If you want to get sick, that's perfectly fine. But why get somebody else sick that could possibly die that didn't want to get sick? Even if it's your racist friends. But then again, Trump supporters are pretty pretty stupid. Did you see what happened with uh, Terrell Pryor? Remember months ago? I don't know if this was in 2019. Maybe it was early 2020 before everything fell apart. I don't feel like looking it up. But he got stabbed. Remember, he got stabbed by his lady, Shayla. I think it's Shayla Brinson. And when I say stab, I don't mean like, you know, like with a butter knife or a little scratch. Like stab, like according to him and his doctors, he flatlined a couple of times. I mean, it was real close to his heart. <laughs> Meaning he could have died. Uh, girlfriend didn't get any jail time. On top of, of them, her stabbing him almost to death, her and her friends are caught on tape saying they should have left him, left him on the kitchen floor to bleed to death. So the remorse wasn't quite there. Listen, there's double standards in the world. Double standards go both ways. I hate to break it to you. I know it's 2020. Certain things you can't say. I understand that, but that that's a double standard. If I stab some lady and she almost flatlined twice, I, I would get some jail time. Regardless if 
the the woman, because in this case, Pryor didn't want her to go to jail because they got back together. Because you know that's how it goes. <laughs> you know, you know that's how it goes. Same thing with like Earl Thomas and his wife after she pointed a gun at him for cheating with the Snapchat models with his brother. Imagine catching your husband buck naked with Snapchat models and his brother. You point a gun to his head and then two weeks later you're like, we're all good. I, I don't know. If I, I don't know. Here's if I got stabbed. My wife always says, you know, you, if you stab somebody, that's how you, you know, if you, if you have the ability to want to stab somebody. <laughs> You thought about it. That means you love them. I think she's joking. I'm not sure. But yeah, if, if I'm pretty sure if I stabbed her, I'll probably, you know, I'll probably get some time. She stabbed me. She might be able to get away with it. I don't know. It's a double standard. Double standards exist. It's okay. You can talk about them. It's just, it's just not, it's never as much outrage, uh, when a woman does an act of violence on a man, as it is a man uh, doing an act of violence on a woman, it's, and that's un, it's 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 understandable in some regard because uh, physically men are normally uh, more a bigger physical stature than a woman. But to me, when a weapon is involved, I think the guy got to throw all that out the window, right? Like a woman stabbing and a man stabbing, it's, it's same thing. If the knife is the knife doesn't discriminate. A gun doesn't discriminate. I saw, I was watching one of these shows on Netflix, Evil Genius. It's too long for me to explain. It's too complicated. It's okay. It's not great. Not the greatest thing that I ever watched. That's for, I like to watch these crime documentaries and stuff. But basically, this lady had killed multiple husbands and got away with it. Just by saying it was self-defense. She shot one husband or boyfriend six times point blank range while he was on the couch not guilty because he she said that you know that he beat her now homeboy was asleep when she shot him <laughs> but she got away with it and then come to find out she had been killing boyfriends and other people her entire life at least i think it was at least four put one of them in the freezer so, yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, a, a double standard with that. Be careful. Hopefully there won't be any more stabbings or anything like that. The Injustice League. Did you see those people in Omaha? The ones that got left at the airfield uh, by Trump overnight. And it was like negative five degrees and it was getting hypothermia and all of that stuff. When, when people say, well, how, how did Trump win? How did he win? Well, that, that's how he won. Because most people are followers. See, that's another thing about our country that people don't want to recognize. That the majority of people just follow other people. Like, there's a very small percentage of, like, leaders. A small percentage of people that actually do stuff. And then everybody else just follow. Sometimes, it's, it's, it's not a choice. I mean, you, I think if you had a choice, you wouldn't work at, you know, Target. He wouldn't work at Walmart. You wouldn't work at McDonald's. Sometimes you, the, the circumstances of your, your society or your, your family situation forces you to have to follow somebody. But then you get in this mentality of follow, 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 follow. And what I've learned is that normally followers don't really pay attention. They're not critical thinkers. 
they're just people that listen to the person that yells a lot. If you think about, just think about society as a whole. Think about just sports media, for example. Who who makes the most money in sports media? The people who yell. The people who have hot takes. The people who say wild things. They don't, the people that, you know, do the thousand word breakdowns and the X's and the O's and stuff, they don't make as much money as the screamers. They don't make as much money as the conspiracy theorists. They don't make as much money as the hot takers. Even if you look at sports, you know, the, the, the people that talk the most, they get the most endorsements. That doesn't mean that they're right. It's that whole thing, you know, just because you're the loudest in the room doesn't mean that you're the, the, the correct one. Just means that you're the loudest. So Trump, his whole life, has just talked really loud. Said a lot of things. They don't mean anything. They don't make any sense. But to the follower, to the cult follower, they latch on to it. They say things or they believe what Trump says because this is how they wish they were. This is how they wish they felt. All of those things that they are simmered inside of their body. That's this is how they wish they were. They wish they were like Trump. They wish they were grabbing people by the private parts. They wish they were scamming the government. <laughs> they wish they had the gold chandelier. That that's what happens with cults following. A cult normally has really basically just a, per, a persuasive talker at the top. And then a bunch of people, if you really dig deep into cult followings, the the followers, they all are insecure or daddy issues or losers and stuff like that. And if you look at, if you ever looked at a Trump rally, not the best looking bunch. It's a lot of self-esteem issues going there. And it is not surprising that he's strongest in like, say, the Midwest. Where it's not very progressive. People have been sitting on their same porches for 30 years. They haven't done anything. They don't know anything. They haven't went anywhere. They haven't experienced any life. They just know the way that they've been for the last 50 years is the exact same way it's going to be for the next 50. Now, the ironic thing uh, about that is that Trump doesn't like these people at all. He's the They're the opposite of the people that he would hang, hang around with. Which is, you know, funny to me. You know, that the people that are voting him in, he couldn't care about it all. Doesn't like him at all. Wouldn't let him in his hotel. Wouldn't let him in the Margalow. These are not the type of people that he would hang out with. That's why he left him stranded in the cornfield. In the middle of the night. In suboptimal temperatures. Didn't care about them. He is out of here. I wish they had him tapped. So, and here's the thing about cult followers, though. He he said this himself. You know, I can say whatever I want to say, do whatever. You, you fools are going to follow me anyway. Cause them dumb to their face, basically. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. But not surprising. Not surprising. I don't like I said I don't even know if these people actually like Trump. It's more the idea 
of Trump. He's the he's what they want to be powerful white man that's ra openly racist, openly white supremacist, and he's the president of the United States. So they they can dig that. They can dig that. It's cult following. It's it's if you want once again if you wonder why how 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 is he winning? That's why. There's a large percentage of the country that's like that. Much more than I think a lot of people thought. But they, they're, they're punks and they're losers, so they really haven't been vocal, you know, like they are now. You know, he, he gives them little signals to, to do things. And honestly, they get away with it because the cops and everything are on their side because the, cops are losers too. You know, if you think about the average Trump supporter, he fits the 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 description of a lot of these cops. Either he peaked in high school and now he has nothing, or he was a punk in high school, got bullied and all of that stuff, and he wants to bully back. But he's scared. So he, you know, he goes to the police officer where he can bully people. See, so it's not it's not it's not surprising once you really see it from a, a worldview. I don't, I don't feel bad for them. I don't feel bad for the people that had to go to hospital with hypothermia. That's what you get. That's what you get. If you want to follow, yeah, you know. So I'm like, you know, I wouldn't want anybody to die or anything. But if, you know, like a cult person like John Jones is telling you to take the poison, you, you don't have to. Telling you to get a poison to your kids, you, you don't have to do that. At a certain point, you got to be like, you know something? Maybe this is not the move. So before I get out of here, a quick shout out to Tristan Thompson Kardashian. Now I'm a happily married man. And it's my wish for you, all the fellas in the world. To find you that perfect person and then you can be happily married as well. Ideally, that's what it's all about. There's nothing better than being happily married to the person that you want to spend all of your time with, the rest of your life with, start a family with, that you just adore. There's nothing better than that, fellas. So, I know everyone is not cut from that same cloth. So I understand that. But if that is your end goal. Don't settle. Make sure you will know. I guess that's the best way of explaining it to you. You just know. Your body. And you know. I don't know. You may have to get a little older. I mean maybe some people know when they're younger. I can tell you though. Your body doesn't lie to you. Your mind. I don't know everything that's going on with your brain circuits. Your heart. All of that. Your, your religion. I, I don't know. I can't tell you how they were. I'm not a doctor. I didn't stay at the Holiday Inn last night. I don't know. But all I can tell you is that listen to your, your body and your brain. It'll tell you. And this has nothing to do with looks or anything like that. Nothing physical. Because anybody can look at somebody and be like they're physically 
uh, attracted to them. That's not what has you having 50-year wedding anniversaries. Not the physical. I th- obviously, that's a part of it. You want to be physically attracted to your your spouse. But, but, I think if you have this other thing, that all works itself out. Just, your brain will tell you. If there's something, if, there, if there's something in the back of your brain that says, you know, hey, this person's nice, I like them, but, but ah, you don't have that feeling that you want to be with this person for the next 50 years, you know, I'm not saying you got to walk away right at that particular moment, but don't get married. You would know, trust me. There's no, there's no quantifiable way for me to explain it to you, to you but beyond the fact that trust me, you will know. Which brings me back to Tristan Kardashian. Tristan Thompson Kardashian, TTK. Like I said, some people are not cut uh, for the same cloth. You know, some people, uh, some guys are just, you know, meant to be cheaters. <laughs> you know, and, and single. Now, if you're meant to be that, you have to admit, Tristan Thompson Kardashian has to be your hero. He has to be your Trump. He's your cult leader. Because you got to be pretty persuasive to cheat on your significant other multiple times while she's pregnant with your baby, nine months, and with her sister's best friend, get caught on tape doing it multiple times with no shame and still be able to get her to take you back. I don't know if that's a referendum on Tristan Thompson or Khloe Kardashian. Because you got to be pretty desperate. I mean, Khloe Kardashian is rich. She's had a ton of work done to make her look like a serviceable looking woman. But she has terrible relationships. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. It doesn't matter how you look. It's something else. That's why people... Have you ever saw somebody? And then sometimes, this is how I know. And listen, fellas, I'm not judging. But sometimes I can tell when some of the fellas have maybe not dated... A, at least a semi-attractive woman. If you want to know, and, and the fellas that have dated attractive, semi-attractive, gorgeous, modelish, whatever you want to call it, women, they'll tell you this is the truth. It's not me judging. It's just how it is, right? If you have dated an attractive woman with a horrible attitude, bad personality, crazy, whatever you want to call it, you understand how certain women could end up being single all the time, even though they're attractive. Men that haven't had that experience often say, I can't believe this person is single. How are you single? Why doesn't none of your relationships work? Et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's the whole Halle Berry thing. How could Halle Berry, why are these people leaving Halle Berry? Like, I don't know. Halle Berry might be a very nice person. I don't know, but... There's always, there's, it's, you know, beyond the physical, 
there's other things. So let's think with Khloe Kardashian. It's obviously something beyond that. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing. It could be a, like, I, a long time ago, many, many years ago, I dated a girl. She was, she was nice. She was good looking. She was nice. She was driven. She was smart. All of the qualities that you would want. But she was oddly too nice, I guess. That's the, I, I don't want to, it, it's hard to explain. You know, but, you know, you got to have a little bit of a backbone, you know, a bit. And here's the thing. It's, it's for the individual. It's not, it's not a blanket. Like, it's like anything else. Like, you like a certain type of music, right? You like a certain type of car. You like a certain type of phone, like a certain type of laptop. You watch certain, t- it's no difference in relationships. You know, there are certain things that you like. Now, in 2020, <laughs> you've got to be careful and saying those things aloud. I always say, it's nothing wrong with preference, as long as you're not disrespecting anybody. Like, you could say, I prefer, me personally, I prefer short women, right? As long as you don't say anything bad about tall women, I don't. there's not an issue with that. If you say, well, and just like a, a woman can say, I prefer a guy that's six seven. As long as you're not talking down about short men, whatever. That's your personal preference. So you have to. It's like building a team, a basketball team, football team, baseball team. You you know, or you have a scheme, right? <laughs> that you're looking for. Now, you may not necessarily get what you look like because you know opposites attracting and stuff but there has to be some core fundamental things that you want that is going to make you happy so never go away from your core i don't care what social media tells you i don't care what 2020 tells you never go away from your core things that you need to be a happy person in a relationship now some of that may be physical some of it may be personal but net, your core needs have to align for you to be happy or there's just going to be problems. Now, if you with someone that cheats, that to me tells that that person, you're not enough for that person. Now, I get it. That's athletes and athletes cheat, but anybody can cheat if they want to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't take a lot to cheat you can always find somebody to cheat with if you want to right so if someone's cheating on you that means that you're not enough if you take them back that's fine maybe maybe it was a one-time mistake or maybe things change and all of that stuff whatever it may be uh and if you cheat like 30 times like tristan thompson kardashian it's you're never gonna be what he wants if you ask me what, what TTK wants is part of the fame, not the person. You know, if you're part of the Kardashian clan, you get to go on a private island with, you know, with Kim Kardashian, Devin Booker, Kendall Jenner. That's part of the fame. I think, I think TTK likes the fame, not the person. And I think certain men also like weak women. 
who just take or they could do anything. Imagine doing all that and get taken back. I can't have respect for somebody like that. They can't have any respect for anybody like that. But I'm sure he's somebody's hero. Go out and vote. Next time we come back, it's going to be election day. Why her times? Be sure to check out the website, blacksportsonline.com, and register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online, Instagram, BSOTV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.